Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another edition of On the Continent, your definitive guide to the biggest stories in European football. I'm Dotson Adibayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Nikki Bandini. On this edition, we preview a big weekend in Italy's Serie A, starring Romelu Lukaku, remember him? Tammy Abraham, remember him? And of course, the unforgettable Jose Mourinho. Also, the Bundesliga has never seen anything like it. 2-0 up in the 89th minute. Dortmund must have thought it was all over. Well, it is now. So we're talking lessons that Germans have not learned since 1966. And as the summer transfer window closes, are Atletico trying to punk Barca over Griezmann? Or is it just the way they show their love for the player? Before we get going into today's conversation, you may well have seen or even listened to a brand new documentary episode out now on the Football Ramble feed. As part of Andy's trip to Sweden a few months back, he wanted to explore the town of Malmö and their relationship with their most famous football son, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Andy? That's right. Of course, he got a three-metre statue of him put up in his home city of Malmö and then it came back down again. So we tell you about the story of that, how he's viewed in Sweden. We know plenty about internationals, Latin, and how he's seen in Italy. 
England, the United States and beyond. This is something a little bit different. Comiens Latin. It's full of interviews with the likes of Lars Severson, uh, Lee Roden, Noah Bachner and loads more. And here's a clip. So do you remember where you were when the Zlatan Ibrahimovic statue came down? Oh, that's a good question to start with. Just... He's Zlatan Ibrahimovic, of course, like he's the, the most recognisable face in the country outside of the king, maybe even more than the king. It was uh, unveiled outside of Malmö's uh, football stadium in uh, late autumn 2019 to, to remember the great son of, of Malmö. If it goes up in Malmö again, someone will tear it down. I think he might have overestimated the uh, sort of uh, the, the strength of the of the of the loyalty that um, people of Malmö felt towards him. And I think a lot of his bravado was a defense mechanism. Zlatan always needs tension. He always he always needs uh, an enemy. He always needs something mm. to be fighting against. I think an 18-year-old version of Ibra would want to punch this this Ibra in the face, to be honest. I mean, really, I don't think you would have liked him at all. Everything changed with Zlatan. Everything changed with Zlatan. Like I say, it's a fascinating listen. It's available right underneath this OTC episode in your podcast app, so get listening. And, oh yeah, I even speak a bit of Svenska in it. And one more bit of housekeeping. Tonight at 6.45pm UK time, Andy Brassel will be ready and waiting on the Football Ramble Instagram, ready to take your questions about the Champions League draw, which is happening at 5pm today. So search Football Ramble daily and go to our stories to fire him a question about your club or any others involved in the group stages for that matter. Rangers are in the pot also after beating PSV last night. So, first of all, Nicky, what a huge weekend, hugest weekend so far, I suppose, for this season in Serie A. It is. It's only the third weekend, but it does feel like a big one, doesn't it? Because you've got um, Inter taking on Lazio, which, of course, is one of those sort of non-rivalry rivalries almost. The fans have a gemelaggio, they have a twinning, so there's a relationship between them. There's almost a certain friendliness that exists as well between um, Simone Inzaghi, former Lazio manager, who didn't leave Lazio in a sort of bitter and nasty way. He left it in a way to take a job that even Lazio fans seem to have accepted. Okay, if you want to go and try to compete for the league title, we still appreciate what you've done here. So there's this sort of fondness on on that side of things and then the same weekend one night later on Saturday you get Roma against Juventus with none of that friendliness because Jose Mourinho has a long history (laughs) of just jabbing it at Juventus even when he was in the Premier League of course and at Manchester United he still found a way to have little jabs at Juventus and uh, yes um, I think that's a really really Fast, and they're both fascinating games. Inter obviously have started the season strongly, are trying to win back the title that Milan took from them last season. But Roma have started this season with full stadiums, even a full stadium for Cremonese. It's their eighth sold out game in a row, which wasn't the norm for a long time at the Stadio Olimpico. And winning both of their games, going into a match against Juventus, who themselves are supposed to be coming back this season to win the title it just feels very weighty already like this meaty weekend of, of d- games d- against d- d- something the biggest story in this for, for me Nikki, is the Lautaro Lukaku loving ah. that they are back together again and it feels so good and just <laughs> that first goal against Spezia where you get the nod down from uh, Lukaku, the finish from Lautaro. Of course, Lukaku could have had a goal himself in in, in that game, hit the crossbar as well. Um, 
I mean, we've known for a while that Lukaku shouldn't have left Inter in the first place, but we're receiving more and more little signals along the way. Like when Lataro said last week ahead of the Spezia game, um, oh yeah, we spoke every day when he was in London. <laughs> if people had known that at the time, the alarm bells would have been ringing loud and clear from the beginning, wouldn't they? Yeah, it's fascinating. And Lukaku said as well, like who was the first person you told you come back to Inter? Lautaro, he said he said he'd actually just changed his phone number, I guess, because he was coming back and so I messaged him on on Instagram. Like I always find it funny, like just the mundanities of like how footballers communicate sometimes. Oh like like Wayne Rooney saying to Rio Ferdinand, give me a lift to the training ground and all, all that sort of stuff. Why do you think that Lukaku and Lautaro work so well together. And why do you think... And they're both centre-forwards, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, th- I think if you're looking at four four twos, there are a few better partnerships over the last couple of years. Why do you think they work so well together, Nicky? And why do you think Lukaku was so lost without him at Chelsea? Yeah, I think in, in some ways, they're both number nines who don't quite fit what everyone imagines of them. I think that people at times have looked at Lukaku and imagined him because he's such a sort of big physical specimen, I guess, and thought, well, that's a, a classic number nine playing with his back to goal and, and, and use him that way. And Antonio Conte was sort of the manager who said, no, 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 you want to be running into those spaces. You want to be turning and and, and playing on, on, the, on the turn. But at the same time, even with that, and I think in England particularly, there's been this sort of slightly critical interpretation of Lukaku where he's viewed as as not having a, a great touch. And look, he does have a, a heavy touch sometimes, but he also is a surprisingly good crosser of the ball. He's mm. someone who actually puts in a lot of very useful for crosses. And I think it was really interesting listening to him talking in the last few days and then contrasting it actually with another striker involved in this matchup, which is um, Ciro Immobile at Lazio. Of course, it's been just prolific for years and years and years at Lazio. And Immobile was, was talking about how when he um, gets the ball, like he, it's like his brain creates images of what's going to happen before it or before it's even happened. He's like, so you know, I, I'm I'm going through on goal, and I've already pictured the chip and how it's going to look, and and like my brain's already there, and my body's following it, and everything for him is so focused on that 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 moment, basically the moment when he beats the goalkeeper. That's what he's thinking about. That's what his brain's doing. Is how am I beating the goalkeeper? And Lukaku, for someone who was Serie A's top scorer and um, was Inter's top scorer in Serie A, sorry. Um, he has this this very different way of talking about it, at least, where he says, you know, goals aren't that important to me. What's important to me is is that it's working together and, and we're winning and I'm just as happy setting the ball up for, for Lautaro. And I think Lautaro himself, so I think Lukaku in, in that bracket sort of isn't the striker people imagine him to be, where he's just either big back to goal player or just a poacher. I don't think he's either of those things. I think he actually is someone who wants to work with the team more. Um but then Lautaro is, I think he's a nine and a half. I don't know exactly what, what his sort of best position is, because I think when I first saw him, I imagined him as a number 10 and he isn't a number 10. But then when Lukaku wasn't there and it was like, okay, lead the line, do that for us. He can't really do it on his own. But when he's got someone cooperating with him, when he's got someone who will at times operate that middle space and take away defenders and create create room for him at other times peel away to the outsides and put those crosses in for him it just seems to click for him like him and Jekko clicked really well didn't they mm, they did not yeah so Lautaro on his own didn't work but Jekko being there and, and being sort of a more selfish Jekko is a selfish striker again sort of favoured him a bit it, it just seems to work but you know I think this is there's also something that is more intangible I think it's so important in football and maybe this is just me being a bit woo woo I don't know but I, I think personal relationships and friendships 
can just alter a dynamic, can make it work, can can make people willing to put in the extra whatever it is to make something go together. And it's interesting this weekend because there's another player in playing in the Roma Juventus game who also falls into a category like this where I think his whole career could have gone differently if he wasn't separated from someone, which is Paolo Dybala and Paul Pogba who were together at Juventus. Now Pogba won't be playing this weekend. But again, those two were so tight when they were in Turin. They were always doing things together, always on the training ground together, always mucking around together. And it feels like from the moment they split, neither of their careers quite went the way they should have done. Mm. There's a lot to be said for signing players as pairs. You know, Mm. they come together as a partnership. Here's a stat for you. This seems almost unbelievable, given what you've just been uh, saying with regards to Romelu Lukaku's assists, at least. He has apparently not registered an assist in any of his last 63 Premier League games. And I find that hard to believe. Um, While he's already had nine assists in his last 18 appearances in Serie A. (laughs) From what we're saying, it sounds like what's making the difference is Lautaro. I wonder if what's making the difference is the club that he's playing for, the environment that he's playing in. You know, when he says goals aren't important to me, he's playing for the club then. Or at mm. least he's saying mm-hmm. it's more about the club than me. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because like, there's definitely sort of... Um, there's been even for me some moments with Lukaku where I've, I've almost wanted to roll my eyes in a little bit. But then also maybe it's it's hard to know sometimes when something is genuine and when something is I'm trying to send a particular message. And for instance, in the opening game, when Denzel Dumfries scored Inter's winning goal... The whole team runs off to celebrate with Dumfries and Lukaku wheels away to celebrate on his own, but right in front of the Inter fans. It was away game and he was right there and he was so emphatic with it. He was pumping his fist. He was on his knees. He was thumping the ground. And maybe it's absolutely just purely genuine. And maybe part of it is like, I think in this moment in particular, he's almost trying to make amends to them. He's trying to say to them, look, I know I let you down. I know I left. I know a lot of you felt betrayed, but I care and I'm here. And so maybe even if it is a bit cynical, maybe it's the right thing to do. Maybe it's it's what um, the club needs and, and perhaps my cynicism is completely unfounded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear any cynicism there. <laughs> did Jose Mourinho actually use the word shit when he was describing... Yes, he did. It was, it was an interesting Instagram post. Yeah, to, he was describing life or football. Um, he was saying football is sometimes a bit shit. And, <laughs> and, and the way football it. is a metaphor for life. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it can be. Yeah, certainly that's the, that's the way he was putting it. He was referring to the Gini Vinaldum injury, of course, when Chris Smalling scored the the winner against Cremonese in the, the game that Nicky was talking about earlier. He he raised a Vinaldum shirt uh, to the crowd. Of course, Vinaldum um, broke his tibia in training, so he's going to miss the World Cup as well. But you combine that and the fact that Nicolo Saniolo put out his shoulder after like what was quite a promising performance early mm. on. I mean, I, I spoke pre-season, Nicky, and we spoke pre-season about I, I wasn't quite sure how Tammy Abraham, Dybala and Saniolo were really going to fit together. For me, even though it's been um, defensive players scoring the goals so far and it's been two 1-0 wins for Roma so far, they have looked really good in the attacking third. They've created a lot. And for me, it feels like uh, Abraham, Saniolo and Dybala fit together a lot better than you might have expected. It almost feels or felt before he got that injury because they're going to have to go back into the market now, obviously, and Mourinho has been quite big on that. The Dybala coming in 
one of the side effects has been to sort of revitalize Saniolo to a sort, certain extent. Yeah, Zaniola's a, a fascinating case because he's got so much potential, but he has had two cruciate ligament tears and now a shoulder injury. You think, is this just going to be one of those careers? But actually, there was some Premier League clubs sniffing around Zaniolo. And I wonder in some weird way, if he comes back and doesn't get injured again this season, maybe this does Roma a favour because it stops that interest. Because I think probably that's going to discourage teams from, from making a late bid for him. Mm. But they have gone out and signed Andrea Bellotti who's another player who's scored plenty of goals in Serie A before. I wonder if we'll see him this weekend because it's a pretty classic Mourinho move to sign someone and then just go right, in you go right away. And they're playing against Juventus. Now, of course, Bellotti played for Torino, so used to that rivalry. Oh, that's delicious. It feels like a Mourinho (laughs) moment. Bellotti is very different to Zaniola. Bellotti is a classic number nine. So in my mind, he's a a natural, just straight swap with Tammy Abraham and probably going to play fewer games because Abraham's been so good. Um, but it's another attacking option for Roma. And, you know, as I said before, and as, as I said last season, that the, the, the secret sauce right now for, for Roma is Mourinho, is the fact that whether, talking of cynicism, whether or not a lot of the English audience wants to roll their eyes at it and think what they think about Mourinho from his time in the Premier League, in Rome right now, there is buy-in. There is huge buy-in to what he's doing. And, and players want to come because of him, don't they? Bellotti turned down Wolves he turned down other Premier League options he turned down um, Lazio came in last minute and tried to, to sign him away from under Roma's nose as well he waited because Roma couldn't sign him until they got some more players off the books they just I think shifted Felix this week and it's a criminator, right? Yeah. yeah so they were waiting for that to happen and he had other offers on the table and he said no because he wants to play for Mourinho and I think that that buy-in is so genuine even that sort of show of sort of solidarity with, with Wijnaldum, there is there is an atmosphere around Roma right now that's incredibly positive, despite the fact they've had a couple of really big setbacks in terms of injuries. Now, it's always easier to keep that um, positivity up when you're winning and they've played some games that you expected them to win and now they play Juventus and we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, it's I think it's really hard to communicate to people who remember not just Mourinho at Tottenham, but Mourinho in that sort of weird United phase where he was living in a hotel and he just seemed sort of yes. beat down and sad. You know, mm. he just seemed worn down by it all. It's like the world against him for that moment. It was like me against the world rather well, be, than yeah. us against the world. Yeah, I suppose that's that's actually a really nice distinction you've drawn there because he always likes to be against the world, but he likes to have a team with him that is fighting the world, not just him on his own. And in Rome, he's got that. He's got that feeling and and... Yeah, as Andy said, in terms of the actual football on the pitch, that Zaniola Abraham Dybala combination was looking really promising. And, and even though there's not going to be a World Cup for Italy this summer, I hope it isn't a bad injury for Zaniola this summer, this winter. <laughs> so, so what what about Juventus? Because when Roma were f- for that period, of course, during those all those Conte and Allegri titles in a row, we had teams like Roma and uh, Napoli who would be the the next best the teams who were trying to titillate Juventus the best as they could it was Roma for a bit but it always seemed like the game at the Allianz was their Everest that it was a peak too high for for Roma and even Mm. good Roma sides Roma sides that we enjoyed watching under Rudy Garcia for example does it feel that something different is in the air especially with the way that Juventus performed last weekend I think there's a feeling there's an opportunity because Juventus were, were dreadful against Sampdoria, really, really grim, nil-nil, all of their sort of worst um, cliches, I suppose, under Max Allegri, where they become this sort of 
team just devoid of anything where nothing happens for, for 10 minutes at a time and you wonder what you've even been watching. Um, and, and, and there's a sense of vulnerability that, that comes with that. I think there's also sort of some, some, um, extra needle with this one because Dybala, who I mentioned, of course, who was someone who loved Juventus to bits and, um, never wanted to leave. In fact, turned down United and Tottenham to stay there. Finally goes to to, to Roma this summer because he didn't have a choice anymore to say they wouldn't renew his contract. And specifically, the the thing that happened with Dybala in the last season was they were negotiating with him on a new contract. They were giving him this idea they were going to give him a new contract. There was just debate over the detail. And then they go and sign Vlaovic. And Vlaovic is the guy, Vlaovic gets the money and Dybala they don't even negotiate with him anymore. They won't even offer him a lower contract in case he accepts it, basically. They've they mm. decided they're not going to keep him. And now you've got this sort of slightly back of the minds bubbling worry, I think, for a lot of people at Juventus, that what if Lahovic isn't going to work out as we hoped he would? Because his first half season was mixed. There were moments that looked really good and there were games where he barely touched the ball. Mm. And that's already happened this season. First game he scores, second game against Sampdoria, he barely touches the ball. And, and people are asking, well, even... Allegri is talking about, well, you know, he's not really someone who can play with his sort of play collaborative with the team and, and drop back. And he's looking at um Eric Millick as a potential signing to, to be someone who can be more selfless up front. Vlaovic only really plays well when you're getting him turning towards the goal. And there's worries about Vlaovic. And now Dybala has this chance to come back and really give them one in the eye and say, <laughs> well, here's here's what you could have had. Whether or not it works out that way, we'll see, because Dybala, of course, hasn't um hasn't actually found the net yet for Roma, but he's, he's looked pretty good. We always welcome your questions at Andy Brassel, at Football Ramble, at Dotson Adibayo, at Nicky Bandini. This is from Juventitra on Twitter. Without going overboard about Juve's uh, poor showing against Samp, I'd love to know to what degree you feel Allegri is untouchable. What would it actually take for the Juve dirigenza, and I'm hoping that means Field Marshal or <laughs> Emperor <laughs> Napoleon or something like that, to even consider changing manager again it literally means directorship says the board um i'd love him to get fired by a field marshal though (laughs) oh god um well i mean i think certainly if if they were to fall out the top four or something then that would be a worry i think very possibly if they don't compete seriously for the title this season there will be a change by the end of the campaign in general events don't like to change managers during a campaign i allegri there's an interesting contrast even here between allegri and Mourinho. allegri said at the start of this season that Juventus have a duty to compete for the title like he's, he laid it out quite sort of frankly like that which is I think a, a, the sort of acknowledgement of responsibility that the ownership want to see Mourinho has been doing the exact opposite and saying well we've spent less than all but two teams in Serie A in the transfer market so keeping his discourse very neatly to transfer fees and not to the vast amount of wages they're paying some of these players um and so you've got these sort of two very different narratives. You've got the overdog and the underdog, really. Um, but I think that Allegri, I think if there's not a serious title challenge this season, then people will ask why Allegri is there. Because in the end, Allegri was brought back for that reason. He was brought back because they were worried that they'd forgotten how to win. So like we were saying, Nikki, Lazio versus Inter on Friday, Juve versus Roma on Saturday, I've got to pin you down. What's the score going to be? Oh, I hate these. Well, I mean, I, I think Inter will win. So let's say 3-1 to Inter. Uh, Roma and Juventus, I think, I worry that it will be a nil-nil draw because I think that 
converse to Inter and Lazio, where I think they'll be willing to face each other quite openly. I think for different for very different reasons. Roma and Juventus will both be quite afraid to lose this one because if Roma can come back with even a point, they can maintain this story of we're doing, you know, we're on the up, we're, we're, we're moving in the right direction. We've got an unbeaten start. Things are going well. Juventus just really don't want to lose this one, I think. If they lose this one now after drawing so meekly against Sampdoria, then you start to get real criticism coming in whereas if you draw it and you can say okay on to the next one and, and we'll, we'll pick up the season from there Prova Cassetti a riaprire verso Francesco Totti Che grande gol Splendido gol di Francesco Totti che firma la doppietta e chiude la partita Splendido gol di Totti 4-1 una meraviglia che fa scattare in piedi tutto il pubblico del Ferraris Let's take a look at the Bundesliga now and uh, talk about last minute dramas Andy, uh, this question, it's the obvious one if you want to talk about a last-minute drama uh, from one of our listeners, Tim, on Instagram. He says, how about Werder Bremen's comeback against Dortmund and their two British goal scorers? Should you talk about that last-minute, or should I say last-minute plus extra time drama? Last-minute, I think, is the way to put it. I, I mean, yeah, I was, I was watching this and, um, yeah, Dortmund had not played particularly well against promoted Werder Bremen. Of course, Werder Bremen are a, a, a big name, but only just come back to the Bundesliga. Um, Dortmund were heading for a third successive underwhelming performance, but victory, which would have kept them on, uh, along with Bayern as the only team with a 100% record in, in the Bundesliga. 2-0 up in the 89th minute. And then... Bremen end up winning the game. It's, it's extraordinary. Um, 89th minute uh, goal from um, Lee Buchanan, who was playing for Derby last season, uh, uh, born, in, born in Mansfield. You get the equaliser from Niklas Schmidt um, deep into stoppage time. And then as Dortmund heads are still spinning, Oliver Burke gets tucked in for the winner. Now, Oliver Burke, in the 95th minute. 95th minute. So he'd scored a 94th minute equaliser. Yeah. His first goal for Werder Bremen yeah, yeah. against Stuttgart to get a point the previous week. And then he's like, hold my beer. I can do better than this. <laughs> it's incredible. And really, it's because it's all authored in the East Midlands, yeah. because think of Lee Buchanan from Mansfield, played for Derby. Oliver Burke, born in Kakoli and Scottish international, but um, came through, bought up in Melton Mowbray, came through the Forest Academy. It's like a Shane Meadows production. It's like Once Upon a Time in Westfalen, the way that this all unfolds. This is England. and Exactly. And, uh, uh, on the other hand, you've got um, Jude Bellingham, you've got Jamie Bino-Gittens uh, starting on the, on, on the other side, the 18-year-old um, Englishman. So a lot of British involvement in this. But I guess not a lot of people, especially when Bellingham and Bino Gittens are on the pitch, would have thought of Oliver Burke as, as, as the trump card. I mean, bearing in mind, he's, what, 25? Um, came to Germany the first time with a huge reputation. Um, looked a great young uh, winger for, for Forrest. Don't really think had the cultural tools to settle. Great start at Leipzig when they, they, they paid a lot of money for him um, when they first came up to the, the, the Bundesliga. Created the winner for Navi Keita in, in his first home game, in their first home game against Dortmund, as it happened. So he always has a super time against Dortmund. Um, but I, I think the club found him a little bit exasperating when really he was just the same as 
any other teenager, I, I think, you know, lacking um, the ability to adapt, maybe didn't quite have the support to do that, who knows, um, but it didn't really work out for him anyway. And he's had quite an itinerant career since, but he said in recent weeks, he said, I, I feel at home in Bremen already and I wake up every morning and feel like this is the place I'm meant to be. I feel happy. I, I want to go to training and bearing in mind that, you know, it didn't quite work for him at Sheffield United. Um, he had a spell at Millwall last season on loan and now here he is scoring a 95th minute winner in front of the, the yellow wall. I think it just does go to show what you were touching on, Nick, Nicky, before. The chemistry has to be right. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting character isn't he Oliver because I remember he's one of those players who the name almost when you sort of see him pop up for me anyway when you see him pop up these, this goal you're like I remember him sort of being this touted sort of oh the next big thing in Scottish football it's exciting mm. like someone is coming through people are really interested in him and 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 for me as someone who hasn't been sort of following his career closely it's like what, what what's happened in this middle bit like you know mm. there's definitely a few lost years here and I was looking and he's basically only played about 20 games a season most seasons in, in mm. the meantime and um, it's funny because it's such a contrast to what I was saying before about Immobile and like this idea that like as soon as he gets the ball, he's got a picture in his head, like an image almost of where it ends. And there was a coach I was reading um, of of Burks when he was in Scotland saying it's almost like his, his body is too fast for his mind sometimes. Like he'll get somewhere <laughs> and his brain hasn't caught up with what's happening. But that, that goal that he scored to win this game was actually, you know, it's a really smart attacking play it was accelerating into the space he and he did get there before he done it he did react fast and everyone else and his his fast body I guess got in there and, and he finished it well but I I think there's space in football and I think actually perhaps even more in modern football with this sort of five substitutions there's going to be more and more space for this there's space in in football for for closers isn't there there's space in football for players who aren't going to always be 90 minutes worth of football but if you've got a bit of sort of I don't know, electricity in you and you can break a line in the last 20 minutes that's valuable to have in, in the team. That's, that's one, of, one, of the, one of those, um, I guess, modern coaching buzzwords, isn't it? Starters and finishers. Mm. And I, I, I think that's quite right. Although... Three, I, three I subs did it for, for Werder Bremen. You know, we, we assume that the big clubs are going to do yes. well out of it, but actually Werder Bremen have, have done really mm. well out of it on this occasion. But the consequence of letting three, three goals in six minutes yes. at the end of a match... Um, as Dortmund have done, the consequence is that people like me will turn around and say, "Well, that's it for their season, isn't it?" Because you know, you look yeah. at uh, you look at Munich by Munich; they've done very well at the start of the season. Although critics like yourself will say, "Dawson, Dawson, Dawson," it's far too early in the season to write Dortmund off yet. Or would you? No, I'm not sure I would actually. <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's a fair point, and you know, I think it plays to that international perception of the Bundesliga and Ligue 1 and Serie A before Juventus um, control of it starts to starts to wane in the, in, in the last couple of years. So I think you have to look at it. But, you know, we, we always talk about how, you know, the dominance of PSG or Bayern is ridiculous. The opposition have got to show up as well. That's the thing. And that is the point here. It's not just about Bayern, who have started the season brilliantly and, you know, they've spread the goals out in, in the absence of Lewandowski. Uh, Sadio Mane was brilliant again as they won 7 0 at Bochum at the, at, at the weekend. But Dortmund, they've got to help themselves. I, I, I mean, um, they, they like I say, they didn't play particularly well in this game, but 2 0. 
with a lead with 89 minutes on the clock it's against Werder Bremen. You've got to be closing that out. How difficult can can that be? And I think this is maybe the moment, never mind the end of the season or whatever, because the CEO, Hans-Joachim Vatska, who's been there for a very long time, of course, uh, 15 years plus, he always said at the start of the season, we're moving on some experienced players and we're bringing in younger players. You know, you, you look, they've got this new central defence of uh, Nico Schlotterbeck and Niklas Zula. And Zula has only just come back into the team after getting injured in the cup before the Bundesliga campaign started. A player they got off Bayern Munich who Bayern actually wanted to keep, which felt like something. But you look at that, you look at the fact that Sally Uzjan, who is their young new defensive midfield player, who's meant to shield that defence, he's not been fit enough to play yeah, which I think both of those things. I mean, I think I think we look at um, Sebastian Aller and his situation. Of course, we look at um, the players like Karim Adeyemi who've come in. I think the key players for them this season are Zula because he's a proven um, Bundesliga winning and Champions League centre back and a very good one for the national team. And Özcan, who's not a heralded signing, but is going to sit in front of that defence and protect it, and is more mobile than Axel Witzel, who of course has gone to Atletico Madrid and been used in the back three there because Atletico play at a much slower pace, I think it's fair to say. Um, it is it's a reminder that Edin Terzic has got work to do and it is going to be a little bit transitional. But, you know, the greatest ability in any team is availability. And for the moment, they've not had that clean slate in terms of a bit of health, in terms of being able to get out that preferred 11 even though they should have been able to finish this and Bremen is hungry now they want more Bremen looking for a winner will they find one? Oh yes they will unbelievable scenes here Oliver Burke who got a last minute goal to get the point last weekend has just smashed the ball past Gregor Kerbel the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramble. So, unless we've on to what's happening in La Liga, where I suppose, for our benefit, if you like, the ongoing saga of Antoine Griezmann takes centre stage. What are Atletico playing at with this great player who seems to shine for them, but not for the team that he's actually signed to? Well... There is a growing sense, and some would say Barcelona are a little bit paranoid when it comes to financial matters. Um, that for good reason, that Atletico <laughs> are trying to punk them because, of course, they got Antoine Griezmann uh, back to Atletico on a two-year loan, and um, there would be an obligatory buyout clause of forty million euros at the end of that. Now, that's what a third of what um, Atletico were paid for him. Um, by by Barcelona. So you think, okay, great deal. And it is a great deal until you get to the back end of last season where they've got a ton of strikers and he's not playing particularly well. Certainly the Atletico board looked at the possibility of shifting Griezmann this summer, especially once they knew they wouldn't be able to get rid of Morata. And so for for this purchase clause to become obligatory uh, he's got to play um 50% of 50% of the games in the season so he's got to play 50% of the games in this season at least 45 minutes in those games now so far they've brought him on a sub for 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> the thing is i mean that's clever he's he's looked pretty good and he, he made an influence against Villarreal, didn't quite get the equaliser that, that, that he could have done. It looks the part, actually. He's had a really good pre-season. And I'm sure they will end up needing him at some point. But already, Barcelona being Barcelona, watching the pennies, well, in a certain way, at least. Um, <laughs> watching them roll out the door. Yeah, watching them roll out the door. Come back! <laughs> the, the, there is a sense of, they're, 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 they're trying to do us here. They're, try, they're, they're, they're trying to do us here. And I can understand how they feel like that. Now, there is a bit of a disconnect because Simeone still loves him. He still loves Greer's man mm-hmm. and he would still love him on, on board. But, of course, they've got financial issues. They had issues um, Atletico in registering players before the start of the season, which I think would be bigger news in a summer where this circus wasn't happening at, at Barcelona. So there's this bit of a sense of, you know, is Simeone being persuaded by the board 
to not play him that much. I don't really think we can say two games into the season, but it's fascinating to see how it's going to shake out over the next month. I, I love stories like this. I do. <laughs> and I, I, I always think like, I'm, there must be, there must be equivalents in the Premier League. So I always think that this is where like European football is more lively often sometimes mm. than, than just watching the Premier League. Um, but I, look, I, there's, first of all, do I think this is implausible? No, not really. I think it's quite plausible. There's at least been a discussion between the board and Simeone. Like, it probably has never been as explicit as don't do this, but I can well imagine there being a conversation of, we all know that this is the case, don't we? Okay, good. We've all just sort of <laughs> talked it out. <laughs> of course, it's complicated because what if Morata gets injured? What if Felix gets injured? Then are you really then going to keep different. him out and, yes. and not be willing to play in 45 minutes? But as Andy said, it's half of half the game. So if you start off this way, maybe in the second half of the season, you're actually at liberty to play him as much as you want. Like if you get through the first half of the the season without having used him that way, you might have a lot of flexibility later in the season. Um, I also think, um, I I, I think it's, it's bluntly entirely good business because if you, except we were talking about before, literally in the last segment, this idea that there are now going to be finishes to games, which I think is, is absolutely true. And, you know, I, I wish I knew more about baseball, but that idea in baseball has been a thing for a long time, right? You have certain pitchers who are your closers who come on just to do things. I think mm. that's that's absolutely happening in football. But it's kind of what Ancelotti did with Real Madrid last season, yeah. isn't it? That the idea of bringing on quicker, younger players in the last mm-hmm. thirty minutes, like uh, Camavinga, like Rodrigo, to to close the game. And and I and I think. I actually think in, well, I'm curious, I don't know, if in sort of 10, 20 years time, if that will almost be like an accepted position in football as well, yeah. in the same way that a closing pitcher is, because I think there are some players who are objectively better at it. You can think about even before we had this concept, go back to someone like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United, who we just, you knew he could come off the mm. bench and he was a threat. Um, I, and I think, I think there may be players who specialise in it eventually, but in any case... If you know that Griezmann has, exactly as Andy said, been doing well off the bench, then you've got a sporting reason to do it. If it wasn't working, then you wouldn't do it. But if it's working, then you've got a sporting reason to do it. If that marries up to your club's ambitions, what suits your your club's position, why wouldn't you do it? It's, it's just logical. Um, but it's the curfew, though, and you've pointed out how much of a gamble it is. You know, how much do you use him now as opposed to try and save him for later on mm. in the season? When everybody knows what's going on, mm. Barcelona know that they're being punked, Atletico know that they're punking Barcelona, and the footballer in the middle also knows this. Well, th- this is the big question for me, is how does Griezmann feel about yes. it? Like, that's the big question. Because he can't say anything, can he? He can't actually come out and say, look, I feel this way or that way, because it might jeopardise any subsequent positions. Well, I, you know, I mean, I mean he's, he's, he's never put tact in front of uh, <laughs> everything else in, in the past. So I, I don't see why he'd move forward in a, in a different way. Um, you know, there's times where he could have kept his counsel a, a, a little better. Mm. I mean, for him, in terms of what he will say and how far he'll go, I think I think you're right, Dot, and in like, the, the, the big thing hanging over this first half of the season is the World Cup. Mm-hmm. He needs to be in a position where he's he's ready to play. Will that prey on his mind if he keeps getting? I mean, obviously he's a real team invested guy, and he loves Atletico, and he feels it's his club. And at the start of the summer, Enrique Cerezo, the president of uh, Atletico, said he's our player. We're keeping him. There's no question. While quite possibly doing something else entirely <laughs> b- behind the scenes, but d- d- can Griezmann be satisfied? 
by these little bits. The, 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 the opposing argument to that is you could do what Nicky's talking about, make an enormous impact in those half hours mm-hmm. for Atletico. And they if he's always, that type of player. Yeah. Well, he's, he's got the energy to do it. Like someone who's as fit and dynamic as him, bring him off the bench for half an hour. There's a lot of teams you could absolutely flatten doing that. I mean, it's an enormous luxury to to have. Mm. He's, but he's also like, I think Griezmann is, because he's in that category, isn't he, of like really, truly elite footballers. He's he's got certain things about his game and the way he approaches it are quite unique. And I imagine if you're a defender who's been dealing with one kind of attacker for sixty minutes, and then you have to suddenly deal with someone who's just completely of their own, like you can't replicate what they do in a different player, and wants to get in the team, yeah, desperately. It's quite yeah. But the World Cup thing, I think, actually, I, I just sort of want to sort of put the other side of that, which is actually, if your main focus this season is the World Cup. You're not quite happy with a consistent 30 minutes every game. Less yeah. chance to get injured. You're not going to wear yourself out, but you're going to get enough time to do things and to keep yourself in in sort of sharpness for the for the World Cup. I don't think that's a bad setup. Antoine Griezmann, World Cup well, uh, uh, golden ball. You heard it first there. <laughs> I think it's a really interesting dynamic because actually there's another element to when they need to use him, which is how is their season going? And it's in my <laughs> head that before we came on, Dot, and you were talking about the situation that Jason Roberts wound up in, I know we're going non-Euro for a second, but Jason Roberts wound up in at Blackburn where he was on a loan deal and if he played a certain number of games, it would become an automatic transfer. And because they sort of reached a point that season where they're like, oh, well, we're getting relegated anyway, there was no point for that season. see, I don't think they were getting relegated. There was a time, no, I was waiting to Jason about this Mm. directly. There was a time when actually he could have been the saviour, that they wouldn't have gotten relegated. Obviously, comes the last match of the season, the last two matches of the season, they're already relegated. But before that, he was literally sitting in the dugout and the commentators on the TV commentary were saying, for for goodness sake, bring him on. (laughs) the love of God, bring him on. Mm-hmm. And they didn't because it would meant that they would have had to sign him and pay X amount of money uh, for him or at least it, it give him a new contract, whatever it was. Can't remember the exact details. And uh, you look at that kind of jeopardy and you just think, you can't put yourself in that situation. I, I guess my question is, have we flip reversed it here? Because um, are, are we making Atletico overshadow Barcelona? We can't overlook their glass strikers because, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people will have lit listening will have seen their game against Real Sociedad uh, which was on terrestrial TV in the UK last weekend very enjoyable it was too they were irresistible in that second half in the first half Lewandowski gets his his first league goal after 46 seconds and again because of that you can forget all the details especially with Ansu Fati's little cameo you know we've had all this chat about how many strikers Barcelona have got because Ansu Fati still only 19 has been out of it and they've been looking after him very carefully protecting him since he's come back from injury comes on 15 minutes one goal two assists looks incredible and you're like yeah, okay maybe he is going to be one of those players again and we we all really want to believe that but there's still quite a long list of players they need to ship now obviously Aubameyang to back to the Premier League could be one of those I wonder if they're asking too much money for him. I don't think they should be asking any money for him. I think mm-hmm. they should be doing the sensible thing and just trying to get him off the books because that's what they really need to do with wages, which are continuous expenses, of course. And the other thing is Memphis. Now, Nicky, he was looking nailed on to sign for Juventus. Rumoured to have been asking for a bit more money, knowing he was going to be on a free transfer for Barcelona. And now they've gone and bought Milik 
are they going to sign Memphis? I would guess not. They're quite different players, Milik and Memphis. Very, so. but of course, like football recruitment departments don't always have that straight <laughs> line of thinking. <laughs> That's very true. That is very true. Um, I don't know. Juventus's transfer policy in recent years, frankly, has felt a little bit chaotic. So I'm not entirely sure. I, I, I know what they're going to do. They certainly were. They certainly were serious with the sort of inquiries about him. But you're right. Signing Milik, another contract on the books. Where are you sort of? finding the space in your budget to add another player but he would give them something different and something that I would I would posit they need a bit more than Milik really which is some sort of link between the midfield and attack because that is where things often seem to die for them. A question from El Sandal on Instagram. Are Newcastle overpaying for Isaac and uh, there I'm doing it in a Swedish way and what will he bring to the Premier League? I think they might be overpaying for him but that doesn't mean he won't be a good signing. They were always going to have to. You know, he had a buyout clause of 90 million euros um, so th- they were going to have to meet Real Sociedad more than halfway. Um, I feel that it's a really good price for Real Sociedad and there are things that they can do with the money um, but he will be missed because he's he's been really, really good for them. And bear in mind that he came sort of a bit like um, another Real Sociedad player, Mikel Merino, who, funnily enough, was at Newcastle before and showed some promise before not really working out, just it didn't really work out in the long term, just it didn't really work out for him at Dortmund, a move that I think came a little bit too soon. Um, Isaac was at Borussia Dortmund, you know, a, a Swedish record transfer when he went there as a 17-year-old. And again, he just wanted to play and develop and he, he wasn't prepared to, to wait. He's been able to do that in Spain. I think... He um, looked decent in the Euros last year. Mm. Yeah, re- really good. I, I think the, the, the Zlatan comparison is, is a poor one. No, no. Uh, in, in terms of like, you know, expensive Swedish teenagers oh, right, who, who, who are centre-forwards. Okay. Spoke a little bit lanky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, th- I think he's, he's really interesting. For me, he's exactly the sort of player that Newcastle should be going for. Someone who could play with or instead of Callum Wilson. Someone whose best years are very much ahead of him rather than behind him so if they are paying we know Premier League clubs have to pay over the top for potential that, that, that's that's fine they can live with it they've, 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 they've got the money I think with him you look at the personality to take control of a game especially as a centre forward and especially at that age he won't wait for stuff to happen he makes stuff happen he's a good creator he's good on the ball he can get behind teams and make goals for his teammates I think if there's one thing, an area in which he really needs to improve, he needs to be more consistent in, in front of goal. I think a player like him should be scoring 15 to 20 Premier League goals going forward in, in a season, as well as creating others for his teammates. If I had to bet on whether he'll get to 20 goals this season, I, I would say no. I think if it goes well, maybe 12 to 15, because I, I still think he misses a lot of big chances. In we the finishing shall wait work. and see. How do you say that in Swedish? Thank you very much. Time for you to offer us a game of the week. Do you want to go first, Nikki? Sure. I mean, I've already said it. I think that in terms of goals, that's Juventus probably more entertaining. But if I'm being honest, I'm, the one I'm looking forward to is uh, Roma and Juventus. Uh, well, Juventus Roma. Because because of all the, 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 the stories there, because of the... Um, Mourinho and all the way back to 
his time at Inter and the Rumore dei Nemici, the, the sound of my enemies, like, you know, that 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 sort of backdrop. And then Dibala going back. That is, that's the one that I'm I'm most excited for, even if in my heart, I think it's probably going to end up being a, a not particularly open and, and, and not particularly sort of thriller minute sort of game. I just think there's so much loaded into it that it's, makes it exciting to me. It's the intrigue, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's the story. And yeah. I've just had a cannolo. Is that what we're going to go for a food pairing with it? <laughs> Do you know, I was thinking about this and I think maybe you've got to keep it really simple for this game. It's just a piece of pecorino romano and a glass of whatever you want, some nice wine with it. Because at the end of the day, you know, someone's going to be eating hard cheese. I like the idea that you're going to leave cannoli for Saturday, <laughs> like it's going to last that long. <laughs> so what would your game of the week be then? Well, you know what? I, I wouldn't encroach on Nikki's time because she's picked two very good Serie A games, as we talked about at, at the top. I think they're both must watch. Um, Sunday afternoon, when you're coming down from that, uh, Nice versus Marseille. Now, of course, this was spiky last season to say the least you had a fight between Marseille players and, and, and spectators hopefully we won't be seeing anything like that again um, Nice have not had the best start under Lucien Favre uh, went down 1-0 at Clermont last week and they managed to get two players sent off in three minutes which is quite an achievement at the, the, the best of times um, they hopefully for them will have um, qualified for the conference league by that time they've been managing Aaron Ramsey with that in mind and he's made a few little impacts already I mean obviously if he stays fit he's going to be fantastic for them but uh, they, they talked about bringing experienced heads in around the young players they have there. there's some great young players so Ramsey and Schmeichel there's a lot of pressure on their shoulders in terms of bringing those those players through. Marseille have had a very weird season so far because Igor Tudor has come in to replace um, Jorge Sampaoli. Did very well with Verona last season and played some very interesting football. But because he's got this such press-heavy style, he came in for a team that completely overperformed in getting in the Champions League last season and said, well, you did great last season. You're not running enough and you're going to need to run more for me, which upset a lot of people, including um, the fans and club captain Dimitri Payet, who's been brilliant for them. Now 35, really not capable of running not that running much. That <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they've, they've just signed Alexis Sanchez from Inter as, as, as well to, to lead the line. And Tudor said this week, and he's not a man who cares for avoiding trouble. He's happy to walk head on into it with some flammable material. <laughs> and he went, well, yeah, I'm sure uh, Alexis and um, Dimitri will play together. Um, probably not from the start, though. It's like, right, okay. You just go straight in there and, you know, torch the legacy of one of Marseille's most important players of recent years. So there's there's a load going on there. Um, I think for that, you need a good fish stew, boulebes, maybe with a little bit of paprika to um, reflect Tudor's spice. Hands off my canola. That last bit is mine. <laughs> Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hold up. 
subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.